0: I want you to know as well, and I would encourage our fans and everyone to recognize there will be a lot of rumors out there. There's going to be a lot of innuendo. Um, I want you to know that that these sort of decisions and processes are not made in a silo. I have a lot of great mentors and friends that we'll be working with. Um, And ultimately, you know, in a prior life, I have relationships with a lot of coaches in this business, and I intend to reach out to a lot of people. And so if you hear that Trev Alberts reached out to XYZ Coach, it doesn't mean that I've offered the job to XYZ Coach. I think there's some fabulous coaches out there that have a perspective about our job that I could benefit from. And so I'm going to reach out to a lot of people. And so if you hear that Trev Alberts reached out to XYZ Coach, it might very well be true. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to hire that coach. I'd like to get that perspective. I'd like to get a perspective of a coach who isn't here right now about our job. It's something I've been looking forward to for a while, and um, you and my family, we love it. Um, I trust this program. I trust Mickey. I know he's going to take care of me. Why Nebraska? Was it an easy decision for you? I know you had a
1: lot of... That, that relationship I got with Mickey and his coaching staff is you Nobody's going to have a relationship that we like we have.
0: Welcome to the Gold Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show.
2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. I
3: want to thank Redcast Nation out there. We are now officially over 20,000 followers. Redcast Nation, you have grown. You, you've done wonderful. Thank you. And uh, while you're at it, help us reach 1,000 subscribers on YouTube as well. Uh, so click that like and subscribe and whatever they call it. Pound the bell. and, and Smash and the bell. Smash
2: the bell. Hit it as hard as you can. All right, also with RedCast, Rob.
1: Well, after uh, some nice words by my mom, by my dad, by my teachers, by my principals, I think I've made my decision and, well, I'm going to, nah, just kidding. I'm going to stick with the (laughs) RedCast.
2: All right, Rob has chosen the RedCast. I don't know if the RedCast has chosen Rob, but uh, also a boomer. I'm well, glad to see that crystal ball prediction I made you know, stayed true there.
4: So that's, that's good, Rob. But uh and I'd also just like to mention all the the family members, the the brothers, sisters, sons, daughters that have been clamoring to get on the red cast. Just look at the results you get out of Iowa this week, where nepotism gives you. And no, we're putting our foot down, and that's why. So
2: not, <laughs> not on our watch. It won't be. Sorry, happening
1: Katie. Here. Sorry, Kathy. Yeah, yeah it's not good. gonna happen.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brian Frentz, um you know, I mean, when you're sucks, not going to worry dude. to get That's fired, so like but control. you don't have to do any, any real work, you know? And that includes putting in a game plan that produces offensive touchdown because, you know, why would that be necessary? Anki, sure uh, we had a, had a great time. Uh, I was happened to be in, in Nebraska for a, a bit over the weekend and able to catch some football with you. Yeah. I had a
3: good time. Got to got watch a lot of football, a lot of the games that, uh, that uh, we're referencing there and, uh, yeah, it was a good time. We got to see Jack and our buddy Schlitz and and graphic designer Swobbs came out with us. So we uh, we entertained Omaha for a while on on Saturday and watched a lot of football. Good times.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, I think Rob, you're heading back out to Nebraska here next month. Is that right? I am speaking of entertaining
1: Omaha. I don't know if Honky has the graphic up or not, or has it available. But oh, look at that! We're gonna be doing another RedCast live at the Hale Varsity Club on Friday, November eighteenth. We'll start around six and around eight. It's free entry, all ages. There's even uh, on our Facebook page. If you follow us on Facebook, I posted a link today. You can click on and actually make a reservation because last time apparently it was pretty full there. Um, all of I think Dave's family showed up so it was basically packed because you know they <laughs> <laughs> But I actually have no idea I was at the 311 concert front row. So um but we will be back out there. Um I'm actually coming out there. My son Jonah is going to be making the trip with me. It's going to be his first um in-person Husker game to watch. That's, so awesome. he's, That's Yeah, he's awesome. pretty he's pretty excited. I'm I'm really
2: excited for him too, so. That's you know. good boomer. I see that it's uh, first of all it's free entry, so we're not not no cover charge yet like unlike yeah. our house parties at the Charleston house back in the day when we were in college um and then it's all ages so uh Rob can't swear right
4: also <laughs> unlike our house parties back well you you've
1: obviously never you've obviously never seen me host trivia in 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 the bars on Sunday night because it's all ages <laughs> too and let me tell you that doesn't stop me
2: just saying oh well, Robert well, well we'll see But sounds like an awesome time uh, I'm, I'm at this point i'm gonna miss that one but it's awesome uh hockey before we dive into um kind of what happened over the uh the last two weeks because we did take last week off and uh look forward to illinois you want to take care of some business with our sponsors absolutely as usual we have our uh promo code redcast
3: go to hillvarsity.com slash subscribe and use redcast at checkout you'll get ten dollars off your annual subscription and if you are a HillVarsity varsity member subscriber and you go to the hill varsity club you'll get i believe it's 10 percent off your uh your bill there on the food and the drink so it's a, a good deal you uh definitely want to do that uh, alumni hall two lincoln locations downtown 1120 p street and south point pavilions behind barnes and noble uh, get yourself a whole bunch of good husker gear. you can see the the hawaiian shirt here that we've had with rob and maybe we should throw up a couple new photos even there i mean i know i got some stuff some gear from them a couple weeks ago and and uh but yeah great stuff go to alumni hall and then of course smack and smooch custom shirts and specialty items uh shane and Laura out there Elwood. uh you can find them on facebook and twitter they are getting a whole bunch of we're getting a bunch of new shirts and koozies and stuff made which we'll do some more giveaways at the hill varsity club so you know Redcasters definitely want to make, want to have you come out there we gave away a lot of free swag the last time and we'll do it again here and uh and then here's the uh honky rules. <laughs> I don't know what that one is, so that's uncanny. So we'll
2: have to move that out of the uh the <laughs> that, that area. But should get a redcast rule uh hashtag going on. Oh, yeah, I like James that. Through. Yeah. Ooh. Redcast.
1: <laughs> oh, if he gets if he becomes the coach, we could be the redcast rules. Oh yeah.
3: yeah. This is the uh, the actual same photo here. The <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: It really, it really is uncanny. I'm not gonna lie.
4: Yeah. Uh, uh,
3: that's okay. Uh Dave, I you know, at the beginning there, I I had a couple of videos going, one of them being Malachi Coleman, his uh commitment. Right. But the other one was uh uh Trev Albert's, you know, just the the press conference when he let frost go. And it's like, well, why are we playing that again? I, it might be one I just keep pulling out once a every couple of weeks where people are, you know, Trev said it up front. I'm going to talk to a lot of people. I'm going to, you know, we're going to, but we still get all the flight trackers and everyone thinks they, they know who the next coach is going to be. And it changes from day to day. But Trev kind of told us about a month or so ago that this is what he's going to be doing. He'll be talking to a lot of people. So I might keep, you know, bringing that audio back every once in a blue moon, just to kind of remind people of that
2: yeah absolutely i think that's a good idea because it's easy to kind of forget how this all started and uh, some of the um kind of principles that trev laid out in that interview that will be helpful ultimately once we get to a decision on the coach um so yeah i i hear you i also i'm still surprised i i I feel like trev didn't know he was going to do that press conference that he was really going to fire frost um on that weekend, largely because I feel like he was due a haircut, you know? He was a little little too <laughs> shaggy on the sides. Um and I, I you could tell that he he didn't think this was coming until October 1st, but hey, he had to pull the trigger. Hey, Dave, I, th- I think that was a joke by Dave. i, I... No it's not a no, joke. I, think... I sincerely I, that's a telltale sign that he did not expect a fire. <laughs> Probably. It's just like people
4: who always watch the Fed for little clues of what they're going to do with interest rates. Yeah. Dave's paying attention to to haircut styles. To haircuts, and, uh, yeah, I'm on, on you, athletic athletic I like that though. Speaking of which, That's Dave, you,
1: your hair looks extremely nice tonight. Have you recently gotten a haircut? It, it looks.
2: Yeah, great. yeah, I've been keeping it a little little tight on the size myself, and I think Trev yes. likes to do that when he's really ready for a primetime mm-hmm. interview you know but that's just is not the case. I've been keeping it tight on top but um <laughs> that's been more natural well, so
1: Dave I will say this I stood very close to Trev for probably half of that Rutgers game and not on purpose we just happened to like be moving sure as the Rob you weren't stopping and him at all only a little um and but his hair kind of looked like that then too just just for the record like well his he
2: has got the haircut for the Oklahoma weekend see you're Uh, that's when the time i see what you're saying i so it's been like three weeks
1: okay yeah Yeah.
2: exactly okay i bet it's gonna look sharp when he has it
1: go to hugo's all right introductory introductory
2: press conference his hair will be immaculate guaranteed okay there you go my belief. now i'm gonna have to keep an eye now if you can track and trev and say hey he just got a haircut (laughs) there might be a press conference on the way i'm just saying (laughs) You know, we track flights. We might as well track say, people are tracking haircuts. flights. We might as well track haircuts too. You're right. There you go. <laughs> Boomer. Uh, what What were our best uh, flight trackers uh, this last week?
4: It's all the typical ones. Everyone's eyeballing places like uh, Columbus, Ohio, and Lincoln, and uh, you and know Oxford, and Mississippi, and things like that. So those, those tend to be the popular choices I've noticed. We, we resolved
2: fact, that it was Rob actually that uh, wanted to fly to Oxford. Is that right, honk? Yeah, I think so. There's, yeah, there's no. actually a story behind that,
1: Dave. Um, first of all, I stopped in Lincoln and I picked up Honky, um, sure. and we were drinking a lot. Um, oh. Then we went to um, then we went to Oxford because he mentioned some drink that Boomer had brought up and he the like, tried the hottie Toddy, Yeah, so we went to Oxford. See, I was hammered at that point, so I don't even remember. We went to Oxford. We got to Oxford, and for reasons I won't disclose. We left Oxford very quickly, but I wasn't too welcome there. And then I think you went to Jackson. We, we might have, but I think, but on the way back, I stopped in Scott's bluff because I really liked their visitor center and, you know, and I had to use the restroom and they have like one of the cleanest restrooms and nicest visitor centers I've ever been to. So your
2: private plane didn't have the restroom?
1: (laughs) I I don't want to get it to, I was traveling with honky Dave.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. so the the restroom normally was
1: very nice, but I was traveling with Honky and well.
3: Yeah, well, and if we would have gone to Jackson, then that would have just added prime time to the uh, to the list, too. And so, you know, that's the well, again, if we did go there,
1: was that who that was
3: on the plane with us? Because, man, there was some really loud, like
1: self-centered guy, more self-centered than me. And it was yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) That was the craziest time ever. So just to dispel any rumors. Yeah, it is not Lane Kiffin.
2: All right. Well, like. Lane, Boomer, Lane lost last week, so he's clearly off. Matt yep. Campbell's got a losing record. Lance Leipold has lost three in a row. Is that right? Yep. I think Aranda might be back in the stakes because yeah, I think he got a win in um mike gundy might be back in but uh you know i mean if you if you lose too many games this season you're no longer qualified to be the next head coach <laughs> in nebraska right that's the determining factor it seems to be the way the fan base is going which kind of yeah. would worry me if, if
4: you're any coach really i mean unless we're going to hire you know saban or somebody like that then yeah
3: well he lost two weeks ago mike well
4: yeah but that's only one and it's alabama so it only counts as like a third of a loss so that's true you
1: know, yeah yeah, they'll still be the number one seed in the college playoffs. Don't worry about it. Mm.
2: And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. You know, we've got a season ahead of us, Honky. And uh, we're, we're taking on the first place in the West fighting Illini of Illinois this And But there's a lot of possibilities out there. The Big, Big Ten West is wide open, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, first tweet of the week here, we got Sicko's committee
3: So speaking of the Big Ten West, one of our members has come up with a seven-way Big Ten West tie scenario with Northwestern winning the division at 4-8 and overall going to the Big Ten title game. We'll have a graphic later today and fully map it out. Yes, ha, 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 yes. And Boomer, you found that
2: graphic. There it is.
4: Yeah, that's just a work of art if that happens. I mean, uh, it's the most Big Ten West thing ever. So not out of the realm of possibility the way this season's going. But it's a... so, yeah. Boomer,
2: this, is a, this shows, uh, for your, our listeners, not on YouTube, there's a seven-way tie here that results in Northwestern as the Big Ten West champion, which we've all predicted after they beat us in, in week zero. Um, everybody in the Big Ten in this scenario finishes four and five. And uh, let's, let's see, what does Nebraska have to do for this to happen?
4: Uh, beat Illinois and Wisconsin and
2: lose the other three to Minnesota, Michigan, and Iowa. Okay, that's not impossible to imagine. Um, and then Northwestern, though, what do they have to do?
4: Well, they can lose to Iowa and Ohio State, which is certainly possible. And then they get one off. and five. Yeah, then they have to rattle off wins against Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois to close the season out.
2: Gotcha. And then the first place, and I What what happens there? Uh, beat Sparty and lose to everybody else.
3: Yeah. So that's everyone ends of- up. Everyone ends up wow. with a four and five record in the big 10 and Northwestern is the one that has a four and two record in the big 10 West. Everyone else is three and three or two. And we. Nebraska would actually be two and four in the, in this uh, scenario, but Northwestern with a four and what would that be? In four and total two. record. Yeah. Uh, four and five in conference. They would end up being the big 10 West champ. And not that this scenario is, is likely to happen, but I think it more just indicates what a complete shit show the West is right now.
2: <laughs> well, I will tell you, Honk, I mean, language. You know I'm starting to get yeah, language. Um starting to look at some of the, the bowl projections, you know. I think, you know, we've even been in one of them and that seems ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, they have to they have like eight or nine slots for the Big Ten and like, you know, Iowa's like playing on New Year's Day at six and six because they got no one else to put up there, right? Mm-hmm. Um after you get past uh the first kind of three in the, the big ten east and then you throw in potentially in illinois everybody else is just it's pretty ugly out there right boomer but i mean we're talking you you might have to fill slots with you know the pinstripe bowl and the motor city bowl and these others with a bunch of six win big 10 west teams yeah it's
4: certainly a division nobody wants to win the way everyone's playing i guess we'll see what illinois does this week i mean if they win you know another game or two that might cement it but yeah, nobody's certainly going out of their way. I mean, everyone kind of wondered why Purdue wasn't favored against Wisconsin, and boy, we found out why. So, yeah, they just can't seem to get over those humps for those kinds of games. And it's just, yep. yeah, bizarre.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I know, Dave, you and I had that conversation. We were fairly convinced that Nebraska and Iowa was going to be a 5-6 and six versus 5-6 and six matchup, you know, with the winner going to a bowl game, which would at least add some uh, uh, intrigue to the
2: uh, – It would add some Friday spice game. to that game, yeah. 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 Um, for the first time in a while. And if yeah. Brian
4: Ferentz is going to get his bonus for
2: well, the holiday. An yeah.
4: Iowa New
1: Year's Day Bowl would actually make sense, at least for me. I'd watch it because I always need a good nap on New Year's Day. So. <laughs>
2: it would be perfect for Christmas, actually, in, in the uh, afternoon, right? After the Christmas uh, meal. Put the Iowa game on, right out. Yeah. Guaranteed. Um, well, Honk, uh, you also mentioned, uh, Malachi Coleman. And, uh, so the first commit in the interim head coach, Mickey Joseph era happened on Saturday, right? Yeah, it's obviously, that was a big,
3: uh, big get for Nebraska. Uh, we haven't shown this in a little while, but the, the in-state recruiting graphic here, uh, there's a lot of names and we've even added a couple for future years onto this list as well. But right now with the 2003 class, Uh, Malachi becomes the sixth in-state commitment now with Gunnar Gottschala, Benjamin Bramer, Sam Sledge, Brock Knudsen, Maverick Noonan, and then Malachi. We've also, in the last few weeks, offered Mason Goldman, a 6'6", 240-pounder from Gretna. And then we had a couple of guys that uh, one guy went to Oklahoma and guy went to Iowa State uh, that we offered. So we've offered nine in-state kids. Uh, That's on top of not offering Zane Flores, who the quarterback from Gretna that went down to – um, Oklahoma state. And then I even saw there was like a receiver from Omaha Westside, I think who has a, a Texas tech offer. And I, there might even be one more guy and I I'm not thinking right now, but that's like, we're talking double digit guys from the state of Nebraska getting power five offers. Not just, you know, not, it's not just group of five or division one offers. These are all power five offers. So there's a lot of talent there and the kids are getting it getting offered. Um, You know, 2024, we already have five, in-state kids offered there 2025. They offered a uh, Caden Vermas a couple weeks ago from Miller North. So there's three kids already offered from 2025. And we even have Deshaun Prince from 2026. Uh, so, you know, they've been working it. It's one of the things that Mickey from the day one that he took over the the head coaching gig, the interim job, uh, they have just doubled down on recruiting. You would think it, it would almost be the opposite with him being in an interim role and they they used the bye week last week. He was all over the place. He was down in Arizona. I think he went and watched the game that uh, Dylan Rayola was playing at. Yeah, um, and
2: Bobby yeah. Newcomb's son, right?
3: Yes, yeah. So I mean, You're they awesome. are they're putting in the miles, and he is setting himself up for you know it, we want to have some success here. We need to win some games right. still this season. This is this season is very important. But I think he's still trying to set this program up for for success in years to come. And and I you know he's not. He's not just you know, sitting on his hands right now while, uh, while waiting for games and you know just getting the season over. He's out there working it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Rob, well yeah, I was just going to ask Honky and, and um, just kind of for our listeners out there, because I know we've talked about this on the side as a group. What do you think that that means in the long run, the fact that he's recruiting the way he is, and these kids are still committing, like as far as like Mickey being retained
4: on the future coaching staff? Well, I mean, as Mickey himself said, you were uh, kids recruit and recruit to the school, not the coaches, right? So it doesn't matter if he's here or not. To- oh, wait, no. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that I mean that was a
1: serious question. I guess I was just trying to sure. open up some dialogue there and, and just and figure it out because you know, it seems like it seems like Mickey is gonna be part of the package. I well, mean, is that unheard of
3: when you right? get the when you listen to the opening audio with Malachi, the, the number of times that he mentioned Mickey and the staff specific and he's been, you know, patient. He he didn't have to announce this weekend. He could have pushed it back another week if another month if he wanted to, you know, he could have gone uh taking it as far back as he wanted to if he wanted to wait and see what was going to happen. My guess is he feels pretty good about Mickey being around in some capacity. Um, I feel honestly, I feel pretty good about Mickey being around in some capacity, really. Um, but uh but Mickey at least, you know, what he's doing in this role right now is uh he went out there and we could have lost all those in state kids the second that Frost was fired. And to retain True. all five of those guys and then to bring the really the top recruiter of the whole state on on top of that. There was even talk that uh he was trying to get back into Gretna with uh Zane Flores even. And that floors is just so far along with Oklahoma state. And I mean, you're not going to get him flipped. It was kind of like when, uh, Oh, who is the kid that was a Wisconsin guy from Southwest Southeast Williams. Williams that, you know, frost the Riley mm-hmm. era. Wouldn't they wouldn't go after Williams and then frost, you know, right after his introductory press conference goes and at least offers the kid, but he, he yeah. still ended up going to Wisconsin. So anyways, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think Mickey definitely is, uh, he's, planning to stick around to the way that he's acting
2: and working sure and i I mean that i think that can clearly be true today i mean the question ultimately will be will will it be true you know six weeks from now and that's Mm -hmm. hard to say um you know i would hate to limit our our pool of candidates because we are gonna force anyone who is hired to retain mickey joseph but i do think it's reasonable to um you know to suggest anyone they should at least um interview mickey and considering him for a the recruiting coordinator or a wide receiver because he's a highly respected wide receiver yeah. coach too right i that, mean that's the thing it's like, the top five wide receiver coach i mean that's yeah. the
3: thing it, this doesn't it's one of the reasons why i feel more confident than ever about it is that at the very least like forced would almost be the wrong word I, I can't i can't imagine any coach feeling forced to have to keep a coach that has all the connections here is that top five, you know, receivers coach. Well, you mentioned Dave has guys in the pros that are, you know, in the the top 10 of the, at the position, and then has done what he's really players are playing for him. Now that was my biggest concern that I don't even want to talk record. Um, When Mac and I walked out of that Oklahoma game and I was like, well, we're going to go one and 11. I could not, I couldn't picture this. I didn't know if this team was going to stick around. And when you have a team that's so built off of NIL and this is all new still, how does a how does a team respond when there are a bunch of transfers and nil and and are they just going to give up if things get tough and the way that this coaching staff has refocused the team and and you see the effort there um, I can disagree and we'll get into some of that with the scoring explosion I can disagree with bits of X's and O's and stuff but I can't disagree with the effort and what the guys are doing right now and that's that's really that's really great to see because um, I was really concerned about that about a month ago.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think it was one of the radio shows today mentioned that with the commitment of Malachi Coleman, uh, the recruits for this year's class, uh, the their their home, uh, the distance between their home and Lincoln is four, The average is four hundred and sixty-seven miles, um, which oh, is, wow. may sound like a lot, but it's actually the lowest number since. Uh, uh, 2008 or something like that. It's been a long, long time since we've been able to have something mm-hmm. that uh, our recruits are actually averaging under that 500-mile radius, right? You know? Wow, no,
3: that's great. I, I hadn't heard that. That's really interesting there. um, You know, Dave, I did this little collage of tweets of the week, and they're all kind of just in support of Mickey, generally speaking, what Mickey's doing. One of them's from former Husker, Zach Potter, and he goes, we're three and four versus one and six. Mickey and crew are doing a fine job. If you don't see the changes, I'd be curious what you're looking at. Is Mickey the long-term solution? I don't know. I think Mickey and Bush have a future here, though, regardless of what shakes out. I love the emotion. Uh, Adam Carricker, he had one about, we still have more football left to play, but when, when do you think Nebraska will make the final decision on who the next coach will be? And Jim in Minnesota responded, what if they already have? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, and last one here, Stephen Sippel uh, article from about a week ago. Trev's a fiery competitor. Yes, it's possible he made Mickey the interim simply because it would give in you the best chance for success, even if it meant potentially making the 80s job a little bit more complicated. Tell me if you're not intrigued. And, you know, I don't know that this makes his job any more complicated. I mean, if us winning football games and getting some things back on the right track, uh, you know, I don't
2: think Trev looks at that as making it any more complicated. He had to, you know, Boomer, we talked about this right when it happened. He, He had to know that by choosing Mickey Joseph that this was a possibility that the fan base could rally behind him. And, and especially if they won some games. So um, to the hockey's point, I don't know if he didn't expect it or not, but um, you know, I just, I, I think that, I think Trev has to take a very unemotional uh, evaluation and not let the fan base dictate what he ultimately, what his criteria is to evaluate. Is that fair to say?
4: No, I think so. And that's what, you know, part of what an AD does. Otherwise we could, you know, run the program in Twitter polls or something like that. I'm not sure <laughs> if that would be the, the best approach to take, but eh, who knows? I mean, heck Iowa's offense could run by Twitter vote and probably do better. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that is the tough part about this, you know, for for the fans, you know, this is an emotional investment for, for most fans. That's, that's what this is all about. And you tend to get caught up in these sorts of things, you know, whether it's the coach or player X, Y, Z player from this radius, you know, program doing this, that, or the other thing. And that's, and from the athletic director perspective, it is a a very business type decision. You know, you're not going to make a huge multi million dollar decision based purely off of emotion. You're going to have to put thought and logic into it. And, you know, it could be a possibility where, you know, if fan support makes it easier to make a hire, then that can play a role in it. If, you know, if it's you want to go in a completely different direction and fan support or whatever it is is to emotion is a totally different direction, that does make it harder. So I think it just kind of depends what Trev's ultimate plan was. Uh, you know, do you if he knew this was a possibility, and it was, I mean, is he willing to give Mickey a fair shake? It seems like he has been, at least by what he's been saying. And did he have a plan if it would kind of shake out something like this? You know, if we win six games, go to a bowl game, what does that do? If, you know, we only if we don't win another game here on out, you know, what is his plan? If we win five games, you know,
2: sure. what's his plan Planky, then? So, yeah. You know. How I don't know how to ask this question exactly, so humor me, but I mean, how comfortable are you with um, Trev making a decision that may not please the majority of the fan base, right? I mean, that hopefully he lays out when he does make this announcement how he came to the conclusion, but what mm-hmm. if it's someone that isn't immediately going to create the entire fan base to rally around because it's just different. Yeah, this time that, that's a possibility.
4: I mean, that's I, something that could happen. We've talked about you know how popular Mickey is among the fan base, and I think to a degree, if it wasn't him, people might be a little annoyed with him, especially if it wasn't one of the splashy name hires. Still five games to go. So yeah, yeah, they I, yeah, I mean, yeah, they could. And and, and then funny. you know some of it is that you know we had that higher you know rally around the coach guy last time around with Frost and well okay that didn't pan out so if if Trev can sell it well and explain his rationale and lay out the plan for what this coach wants to do and the coach can vocalize it and then you know come whether he retains Joseph Bush and everyone else that can get a lot of buy-in too so it's going to depend on just what that hire is and how they how they present themselves
3: yeah the next five games is huge because I mean as we alluded to earlier with Leopold or Leipold, uh, you know, Aranda, or, you, you name all the guys, Campbell. We, they lose a game and now they're off the list, right? Because every game matters. And that's that's how, you know, we ride this wave of winner, loser, winner, loser, and that's who we're going to go after. Uh, Joseph, uh, I don't know that it would be a popular move right now to hire him. I've heard from plenty of people that sit, sit there and say that that's not who they want. Plenty of people have said that on Twitter. All the, all these ones is against Rutgers and in Indiana, right? So the, the, I think no matter what, Trev has to be ready that whoever he picks, he's going to get that certain amount of backlash. And there's going to be a certain amount of positivity that comes with almost any of the names that I've heard, you know, pretty much everyone's got some supporters behind them and then some distract some detractors. There's a negative about, there's a pro and con to every single coach that we're looking at. And, you know, so there, I mean, you can get urban Meyer and you're going to get backlash from people. Okay. So, so there is no home run hire. This isn't 2017 again. Where we had there was only one guy to get, and there's a danger with that when there's only one guy to get. It eliminates a lot of other really good candidates too. So um, I don't. I keep saying when I talk about Joseph, I see him around here next year in some capacity, and I always try to keep those three words with it. I, I'm not sitting there. I don't know that he's going to be the head coach, but I, I can't. It's really hard for me to envision a way that we wouldn't have him around. Just the way that he is really. That team is really getting around him, and the way that he recruits on a different level than what we've been seeing being done here. Former player, all the things that that add up, the way that he's taking on a tough situation, and whether he wins or loses right now, as long as that team, as long as he keeps getting those guys, come, you know, showing up and playing hard every week, I mean, I think that's a a, a great sign for him uh, finding ways to stick around, and that's on top of the resume that he already has, which is pretty darn impeccable. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, that's where I, that's where I think that way. And that kind of supports some of those tweets earlier. Now, Boomer said, you know, we're not going to let the, the Twitter polls run this, but there were some Twitter polls and we're going to highlight them. I'll start with the Huskies one, since this one is actually about this. Uh, they did a poll today. Who do you want to be the next head coach at Nebraska? Mickey Joseph, Urban Meyer, Dave Aranda, Lance Leopold. Uh, and with there's well over, I'm sure 12,000 votes. Now that was a, this was at 11,000 some votes. But sixty-six uh, percent of Twitter was saying Mickey Joseph. Urban Meyer was at second at nineteen percent. Dave Aranda eleven, and Lance Leipold. I mean, he just what a lousy job he's done for three straight weeks. Obviously at Kansas, that's right. And, you know, they're only he only has four percent. So that's a. It's like people forget it's Kansas. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> and you know lost you know lost their starting quarterback too. I mean that that happens. Uh, I guess since I have this other poll up, I'll just I'll have this one too. This is from No Block No Rock podcast, and uh, here's a good question: Nebraska upsets number 17 Illinois this week in Memorial Stadium. Do we storm the field? Hell no. Absolutely, yes or heck no? And right now, 67% say heck no, and 33% say absolutely yes. So, uh, Husker Nation, we are a blue blood. We do not storm the field for number 17 <laughs> Illinois. Even yeah, though, well, I would what even like
1: was- to know the age demographics for the yeses and nos because i'm guessing all the yeses the hell yeses are kids that are probably still in college or like I, you know i don't have an of issue of college
2: <laughs>
3: age I, I, I don't have a problem with it i mean we haven't we haven't beaten a ranked team in how many years ago.
2: i guess we stormed the field uh for michigan state is that fair to say honky huh, that would probably say yeah the- they're they're fifth i believe when we beat them
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but yeah, you know, what what would be the threshold? Is there a certain number? that has to be a top inside the top ten.
3: Yeah, I least. said after the Oklahoma game we should storm it after every win if we get another one this year. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I, and I consider myself as blue blood traditionalist as anyone. I'm like screw it, man. If we if we get a win and the t- and the fans have a chance to be happy and run around and do something, don't don't be Tennessee fans and you know throw it in the river. But uh, you know, yeah, take down some some goalposts and. And then we'll, uh, the we'll do not a, that
1: deep. So. we'll do a, okay. go,
3: a GoFundMe page, you know, to,
2: to buy them back. Like Salt Creek. I don't know how, how far <laughs> a thing would float, Mary, but you know. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Tennessee, I mean, de- they've definitely been kind of the darlings of college football the last, uh, week, week and a half now. Um, because they did beat Alabama at home and had a, a wonderful celebration that someday we're going to do the same thing at somebody. Um, and uh josh heupel really has them rolling and they've they've got georgia uh coming up they've got kentucky this week though and the mark stoops is a a name that's kind of resurfaced in our coaching staff so we'll see where that goes i will break down some of those games uh in in the bedcast but i mean which um which football teams have impressed you the most this year hockey
3: yeah i mean we have to use this graphic you know graphic designer swobes created it which college football teams has impressed you the most and You know, there's. Let's see what we got here. So
2: we've got TCU's uh, in
3: the background. I think Martinez is there, and then the coach. We're going to be playing. You know, Belam up here in the top left. uh, Illinois. I Mm -hmm. I actually just because I've watched them probably more than any of the other teams. uh, Illinois (laughs) has impressed me overall. Just their defense has been really solid, uh, really good. Uh, and then they have a strong running game, and I think their their field goal kicker's made you know his last eight or nine kicks. So I mean they're a pretty complete team, and uh, you know I, I'll you know I got to give it to them there. I mean they've now what's funny is like I've seen Iowa talk about how they they've had really bad offensive performances, but they played nothing but top you know defenses too. You gotta you do have to say that yeah. right now Iowa's played against top defenses. Although I think that that's reflective on each of those defenses that they got to play Iowa too. It helped. Um you know in <laughs> Illinois's case, it's not that they've played stellar offenses either. In fact, Nebraska might be as high powered of an offense as Illinois will have seen up to this point. Um I don't think they're gonna allow Trey Palmer to run around you know with no one around him for twenty yards, but Let's that's find an, out. you know who knows we'll find out, but I'll say just to answer that question there, I think Illinois right. maybe impressed me as much as anybody
2: Rob um where's that list again? Can I see that listing? Well we don't have a list. Definitely have... A list. Oh, I thought, oh, Whatever team, you like, Rob. Team you so let me run down some other names. Yeah, here. I uh, mean US, I... USC is undefeated still. Uh, no, USC uh, lost, yeah, they they lost. lost. Yeah, they lost to uh, Utah. They they, they lost. lost Utah. Uh, You're right. I'm sorry, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, well but, Oregon, so I'll take Oregon this a little and... bit,
1: I'll take this a little different direction on that one because I mean college football it's hard for, for me to like be like, oh wow, that team's really impressing me this year because there's you know, I do watch a lot of the Alabama games by by force of nature. But the team that I think that is impressed me the most with how bad they've been is Notre Dame. Like I Like, I'll just take it in that direction. Like, I really thought that they'd be a lot better based off of their recruiting class and everything. And it doesn't seem like it gets talked about enough in the national media or anywhere. But Notre Dame has been complete trash this year. And it's almost, for me, it's been most impressive because I actually want to watch them more just to see how bad they are. So well, maybe Brian Kelly
2: is not that bad of a coach. Maybe
1: it could be, Mm -hmm. which, yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's just been a dumpster fire over there. And I I know we have no room to talk as Nebraska fans, whatever, but why not both? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, both can be true. Um, So I would say that it's impressive because I really had no idea that Notre Dame could be that bad. And I'm really impressed with how bad they are.
4: All right. All right. Boomer. Ah, uh, yeah, Illinois would definitely be one, just because of what you usually have to work with in Illinois. There is certainly not a you know top flight recruiting hotbed in, in the Big Ten, especially. Um, and I'd have to say TCU is actually just week after week, yet uh, yeah, just being seven and zero mm-hmm. and playing good competition and actually being down in all of these games and finding ways to rally and come back against. But Oklahoma State and you know, who was it two weeks ago? They they rallied and won. It's just they do it week after week it seems. and Then they obliterated Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty impressive what the Horn Frogs are doing down there. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a little yeah. surprised as good as they were. And Syracuse is another one that I, I didn't. Yeah, expect I was going to gonna mention
2: that even with the loss, and one.
4: And Yeah, and they, they could have won that game. Refeing is questionable here and there. Um, you know, make it what you would. But yeah, I surprised Syracuse is competitive and. Almost had the ACC have somebody else of interest other than Clemson, but we know we can't have that. So, you know, <laughs> no, make sure no, that was, no. That
3: T- TCU's interesting though. I mean, Dugan, obviously the quarterback from Council Bluffs, is he's he's a gamer. I mean, he's just the guy. Yep. You know, they're never out of it with him. And then defensively, I mean, I get. I didn't pay a lot of attention to him last year, but was O'Shawn their best player, and they lost him you know over the off season maybe maybe yeah, he wasn't maybe. their best player i don't know but he, but was, he, was, con- he was he was considered the top the list yeah True. he was considered the top transfer portal guy or one of them and we got him so they they're going into the season already having lost one of their best players and uh, for them to do what they've done up to this point that's pretty impressive
2: yeah that's fair i mean there's a lot of interesting storylines out there you know the acc uh, you know, Wake Forest is better than expected. Um, maybe Duke Duke r- routed Miami this this week. That's surprising. Big Twelve eight is super competitive that, and interesting. Yeah. Oh, Boomer, go ahead. I just say eight turnovers will do that in a game if you're Miami. Yeah. So, yeah, my yeah. There's a team that was preseason top ten with uh, Crystal Ball's first um, and first year, and yeah, there was some yeah. stat I saw about AM
3: where they they started in the top six and. There's only been like, oh gosh, it's like only four or five teams like in history that started the year in the top six, and if they end up like with a losing record, not going to a bowl, like that's so rare to have that sure. kind of free fall, and that's you know roughly where they're they're at right now. I think they're three and four, um, and and not doing great. Roger Dodger, there he was, uh, he posted something about uh, Tennessee. I think that's a great pick too. I mean, right now they are oh absolutely. I mean, they, I, mean, I, I think they thought that they were going to have a decent team this year, but obviously what they're doing is beyond anyone's thoughts there.
4: Yeah. A&M's free falls. Yeah. Thing. And Millions and you can buy. So
1: That's like <laughs> ne- their, their free fall is like Nebraska-esque. Would you say? I mean, I don't right, Sometimes I well, just well, like to
2: rip on ourselves because it's, there, because somebody's going to do it eventually. So, I mean, we'll see how far A&M falls, right? There's still, still games to be played here. Right. You know, but yeah, I mean, it, Hmm. they're struggling and Jimbo has not really uh, produced the quarterback that you'd expect. Right. Um, to get that team turned around. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, but I don't did, think they're going to fire you give,
3: him. You, did you give yours, Dave, who, who do you think was the, the most impressive so far that,
2: yeah, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, just from a surprise standpoint, Tennessee probably is it, but if you want to really say who's most impressive, I do think Ohio state might have the best unit, uh, in college football on their offense, it's pretty complete and, um, and can score on, on most teams, I would think. So maybe I would take Ohio state still, um, you know, that Notre Dame loss or excuse me, Notre Dame win. That feels like a loss because they only won by like 20 points in in week one. Ever (laughs) since then, they just really rolled. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, not really having much, much competition there. So, Dave, how about, um, you know,
3: you're just talking about Ohio State's offense and what they've done. What about Iowa's defense, where for the longest time, we, we were talking about last year, you know, they never gave up more than 25 points. Very impressive stat. And then all they got all the way to the championship game last year. They lose 42-3 to to Michigan. And if you kind of just, if you're a Hawkeye fan right now, and you're looking at the seven games this year, and I think the last two of last season, they're three and four here, plus they lost their last two games, the, the bowl game and, and They've had they've given up forty two points. They've now given up fifty some points. Although I think the offense probably, I mean, there was at least a pick six in there. But still, I mean, the defense is they got ran over by by Michigan this year. So I mean, are there chinks even in the even on the good side of the ball there?
2: Oh, honky, you could you could say that Iowa fans say that uh, they're not playing comp- complimentary football <laughs> with their defense
4: and offense. <laughs> now, I, yeah, how many times did the of-
2: state
3: get the ball in, inside the thirty-five? It was like five yeah. times, wasn't it?
4: I mean, I mean, yeah. Dave, I mean the Bears, you're going to give up some points. You know? I mean,
3: Dave can attest to this. I, I I was having a discussion with the our table on Saturday, and it was right when the pick six happened, and it was li- I was literally like. I was explaining what complimentary football meant for Nebraska, which is something I might get to in a little bit here, but I was, I was explaining what it would mean for us. I'm like, like right now, Iowa shouldn't, you know, be throwing the ball in the end zone, throwing a pick six or something. And he did it and and like bam, three seconds later. Threw it. I'm like, well, that's not playing complimentary. <laughs> well,
1: I feel, I feel bad for them too. Cause like, I had to drive to go pick up my son. It's about an hour there, an hour back. And I was listening to the Iowa game on the radio And it was like the Fox broadcast and the guy announcing the game was an Iowa alum. I don't even remember who it was, but he was an Iowa alum and he's, Hmm. and he's sitting there and he's talking and he's just like, okay, I just, I don't understand. Like, he's like this, I feel bad for every single one of the guys on the defensive side of the ball on this team. The offense. They're just saying, he said he was like, he's like, honestly, and honky kept texting, like, what's the upside? What's the upside? Like the (laughs) whole, you know, the whole time. And, the guy on the radio is like, seriously, he's like, he's like a completed pass would be an upside right now. Like he's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, and he's got a guy wide open on the sideline and he throws it 10 feet over his head and out of bounds. Again, what's the upside? Like the radio guy who's an Iowa alum is saying this on the radio. And, and
3: for Redcasters that didn't know what that was in reference to, that was Brian Ferenc, uh, their offensive coordinator, Kirk's son, uh, at a press conference a week ago being asked about benching. Uh, Petrus, and he said, Nah, you know, what's the upside? And <laughs> that,
2: that like has they, gotten a lot they of They were close. like, How They've bad gone... do the
1: quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, have to be that you don't see an upside well, they, in benching him?
2: They did actually add the or today to their um Ooh. uh depth chart. So, Jacob Padilla, no, that's yeah. that's a writer for for that's uh, Jacob yeah, Padilla, last name is Padilla. Nebraska, I, yes. Uh, same name though, last name, uh, is now um co number one with Petrus, but I did see where. Uh, Iowa has not scored an offensive touchdown in 28 possessions. Jeez. It's a long, long stretch there. That's it takes brutal. effort, really, you'd almost think. You know, yeah. you know, and the, though, and the defense, fairness, yeah, the defense I has. A, yeah. I have
1: not scored a touchdown in 28 possessions.
2: true. true. The def- Iowa defense has scored three touchdowns in Big Ten play, and then the New- Iowa offense has scored three touchdowns in Big Ten play. Well, it's very complimentary, I guess, in a way. <laughs>
4: Where's <is> that?
3: <laughs>
2: and we'll, we'll still probably lose to him, right, guys? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Misery, misery loves company. We, 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 we knock their starting quarterback all year so that they probably will change him before we, before we play yeah. him, and then that backup will go out and have a great game.
2: Exactly. So. And now, Scoring Explosion,
0: the offensive breakdown.
2: We're going to talk offense with our scoring explosion segment, and Honky, uh, we uh, you know um, had forty three points last uh, last game out. I don't know what we're expecting against Illinois, but um, we may need to establish a running game this time around. What do you think?
3: Yeah, that's the uh, the tweets of the week that uh, I am using for uh, for scoring explosion. Here is a couple of uh, photos of uh, Pick Six previews. He did a photo of shot of the Philadelphia Eagles getting a first down and they did this a number of times. They basically got almost into like a victory formation, like goal line uh, quarterback under center and they just plowed ahead and got a yard and he said the Big Ten likes this thumbs up and then uh, next to that is a, a tweet that I sent out and it was a photo of um, this is Michigan against Penn State and it was from above and they have what three tight ends on the on the line, eight guys along the line And it's just Big Ten football summed up in one play and just the formation under center. And this is how they went out and they get a yard. Uh, That's Big Ten football. Nebraska is the absolute opposite of that right now. We are not Big Ten football in the sense of we do not, we don't really even make an effort much to run the ball anymore now. And I've said that from the, from the first week against Northwestern, that's not a recipe for success. And I still don't think it's a recipe for success, despite having a lot of passing yards and, and, and even scoring some points, but a lot of passing yards to Palmer, which I was, I'm happy to see. I, I think Palmer's done phenomenal, but we have to find a way to get a running game if we're going to have any success this week against Illinois or any of those other four games.
2: Yeah, that's that's hard to argue, right, <laughs> right, Boomer. I mean, the um, the past happiness of Whipple was something that we uh, talked about in the in the off season, and it has uh, played itself out.
4: Yeah, it's definitely manifested itself. I mean, we we've all been recipients of the honky text when it's you know fourth and one and we're in the <laughs> shotgun and yeah you know, throw a pass and yeah that doesn't seem to be a grand recipe for success in the Big Ten and it it we knew that's probably likely and we were gonna get and we certainly have got it and and it is and it has been kind of tough to see just the the. the Running back struggles. I mean, Grant had such a good start to the season. Yeah, and granted, that wasn't against you know Big Ten type defenses and lines, but you know he's it's really just struggled these last couple of weeks to get anything consistent going with that. That's
2: been really kind of disappointing. So, so Rob, um, with the bye week, do you hold out any hope that uh, Mickey actually you know kind of told Whip like, hey, let's let's rediscover some of the those lost pages in the playbook from uh, the Scott Frost era that worked relatively well in uh, kind of weeks uh, two and three and, and maybe get Anthony Grant on track. So I'm going to ask
1: a quick question just because um, during the week, so you're going to answer I took the I, question well, with question. Well, just real quick, because it'll help me. But um, because during the bye week, I kind of took a bye week myself too. And I, I <laughs> stepped away from everything. Um, how are we looking on the injury front on the offensive line? Are some of our guys coming back this week? Because I feel like, the most success that we had in the running game, like in the Indiana, we were, we were going like what, like seven deep or seven or eight deep on the offensive line or something like that. I think during that week, am I wrong honky? And it felt like, remember at the end of the game, like we were really feeding Grant a lot and he closed it out, but it's going to be tough. I mean, I hope he makes some adjustments. I do. And it's ironic because I was like the, Oh wow. Whipple, he's going to have a great passing game. We've got the wide receivers to do it. We got the guy recruiting the wide receivers to do it like with Mickey but now i'm just like okay i didn't expect them i really didn't expect them to just not run the ball at all not like not at all and it's yeah i would like to see a run game i sure hope they insert a run game especially against illinois because you're going to have to be balanced their defensive backs are some of the best in the big 10 so
3: yeah i i'd like to see or well we we mentioned like that we didn't know that we'd get this or we thought that we would get this out of Whipple. I didn't think we'd get this because I just assumed we'd have the counterbalance of Whipple and Frost for, you know, up until at least if anything was going to happen where you're firing somebody, it's going to happen in November. Right. So I wouldn't have expected that yet at this point, the way that's turned out now that it's, you know, this is officially Whipple's offense. I mean, it is, we're throwing the ball like it's Whipple's offense. And, you know, we have to, we, we talked about complimentary football a little bit earlier. Complementary football is that on defense, you know, we have struggled on defense and just like running the ball 20 times or 23 times and throwing it 31 times, whatever it was. Um, that's not a recipe for success. Well, giving up 101 plays to the other team isn't a recipe for success either. And that's what Purdue did. And, you know, I, I want to highlight a very specific moment. This is a situational moment of the Purdue game is that with five and a half minutes left in the first half, They score a touchdown. They're up 17-10 on us. They kick the ball off to us. And with the group that I'm sitting with, I don't care at that point about scoring. Scoring is not the most important thing to me at that very moment. What's important is that we have five and a half minutes left in the first half. We need to get into half down seven at worst and take up five and a half minutes. Don't put the defense back on the field. Play complimentary football. That means – Instead of saying we need to get a touchdown, what we need to get is three and a half yards. And if you get three and a half yards and you do it three times, you get a first down. If you get two first downs, maybe three tops, you've just taken five and a half minutes off the clock. This is essentially what Purdue did to us at the end of the game when they had when they got the ball with six minutes. They just took enough time off the clock and ran it out. Um, we needed to do that at the end. Instead, we, we started to get pass happy. Uh, we throw a, a bad interception. I'm not even going to blame Whipple. There it was a really bad throw by by Casey, and he's heard enough of that now, so I'm not going to pile on it any, anymore. But it was a bad interception on the first play. I think it was. So right away, we give them an extra possession. Our defense is back there on the field. They score a touchdown. Now we're down two touchdowns. They get the ball. We get the ball back. We go three and out. Boom, 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 and we're punting to them, and they get the ball again. Another possession. We actually held them. They get a field goal. With enough time for us to go right down the field on them, of all things, running the ball with a QB snap or sneak and a a QB uh, scramble and a draw. And then we kick a field goal. And out of all that effort, we end up going into half down two touchdowns, 27 to 13, instead of it being 17 to 10. That's not complimentary football because we're going to get the ball first in the second half. So somewhere along the line, we have to. It's a game management thing, too, of like we have to understand the situation where we're at. And being able to run the football does nothing more than just if we can just run some clock there. That's important. But we're still kind of in a mode where we're, we're getting up to the line quick. And sometimes we're running speed offenses in tempo and say, like, man, we need to slow things
2: down. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, you've laid out a, a really good scenario there of why we should be doing something a little bit different, uh, especially with some of the limitations we may have um in three and a half yards a pop doesn't sound impossible to get at least for a couple i don't know if you drain out the whole whole five minutes there um but it, it would have made things more difficult mm. and um you know there's other ways to do that right boomer i mean we, we should be able to try to run the ball be more creative but there could be a more a controlled passing game in that situation if Whipple insists insist to throw the ball where maybe you can show throw a little shorter instead of trying to the Yolo bomb at every single time.
4: <laughs> well, if they're gonna leave Palmer uncovered, you might as well keep doing that. But, Maybe uh, that was
2: a thought process. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that's that is gonna raise a question. Now, do you think it's Whipple just doesn't want to do this, or do you think he thinks we just can't do it very well, and he doesn't really have a choice? I I, I don't know. What do you guys nah. think? that? I mean, yeah. no, no. Um, and then I know, guess what? the next question: Then why isn't Mickey saying, "Hey, do this"? I mean.
3: That's one of the reasons That's it's something I'm actually hoping for to come out of the bye week to be honest with you. It really is. I don't know how realistic that is, but it's something I'm hoping for. Um, I want to show this video here because this is something uh, somebody mentioned this. This is a, uh, I'm going to put this on loop here. and We won't do a full breakdown of this play, but this is um, the ends up being the scramble that uh, Casey goes up and, and gets, you know, 30 some yards here at the end of the, the second quarter. But, what you really want to focus on it's going to it's going to start over here again focus on the two defensive ends these guys the two defensive ends are coming so hard i mean if you ever want to hear about pinning your ears back these guys couldn't care less about any kind of any run game or anything and they they both beat our tackles right to the extent that it looks so bad it's like wow what is wrong with our tackles that there's they're playing so badly i look at this a little differently what are we doing offensively that is just flat out giving it away what we're doing. I mean, that they are so, they're coming so hard. They don't care about anything other than getting as deep as they can in the backfield and getting to the quarterback. Now, Rob has made the statement a number of times that, that Whipple's offense is all about taking what the defense gives you. What Casey does here, and and I don't do the entire play here, but if he would keep running, it goes for about 30, 30, uh, 30 yards. That's what the defense is giving us a lot of times right now. Step up. I was frustrated against Oklahoma. There were plays where he could step up and he wouldn't step up into the pocket and run. The play that preceded this was the Ramirez Johnson draw. Holy smokes. That thing, I mean, they're just there's times where the defense is just begging to be ran right up the gut on us and they're coming so hard. So, yes, did our did both of our tackles whiff here. Did both of our tackles not make the block. Absolutely, but it is all the harder when the defense is coming is absolutely hard as they are. I mean, they are pinned their ears back because they have no concern, no worries whatsoever about a run game. And we've got to be able to counter that. And I even, and, and there's a lot of things that can help give a tell here. You know, Dave, you and I were talking this weekend right? and, and I focused, all I did was take Turner Corcoran and I had mentioned it a couple of weeks on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. There was a three play series against Rutgers where he had his hand in the turf, a three point stance for two straight plays, and then he got in a two point stance. And it just looked weird to me for a second. Like, why are we lining up? Why are we lining up in different stances? And it was a run, run pass. And I kind of thought, I'm going to wait a game or two, but I think I'm just going to chart every play he does and just see what happens. And this was the game I did it. And he did 31 uh, plays in a two point stance. So standing up, two point stance. He did 22 plays in a three-point stance, hand in the turf, kind of a more traditional run-blocking alignment, so to speak. Out of those 31 two-point stances, we threw it 28 times. We ran it three. Out of the when he lined up in a three-point stance, 22 times we ran it 15 times and only had seven passes. If I'm a defender and I look at that, I mean, if I'm just looking, oh, he's standing up. I mean, I'm all sudden, if nothing else. I'm pinning my ears back a little bit more. I you know, I'm I'm gonna attack because it looks like you're gonna be in a pass set. And in fact, I, I said that they had 28 uh passes out of that. Technically, actually, they only had 27 passes because one of the the pass but one of them that they called is Casey ending up scrambling up the middle. Right. So, hey, guys standing up in a two-point stance, we're gonna come as hard as we can. And if we're not willing to take what they give us, which is right behind them. They're not playing containment. They're not playing any of that. Ramir Johnson didn't get touched for 17 yards. Do that enough times. Do a couple of draws if they're coming that hard. Casey, you've got to be willing to to, to run that ball up the gut. You do that a couple of times, and you know what you'll start to see? them. They can't rush that hard anymore. They have to pull off. Now if they pull off, the likelihood of them running around our offensive tackles and making them look so silly probably isn't going to be as good either if they can't just pin their ears back and go. So it's a, it's a, it's a two-way street there. I I come off as a, you know, a defender of the O-line and look, they've had their problems. I'm not trying to, not trying to, to make it sound like it's not that, but it's just you've got to be able to do both right now. We just, it's never going to be a recipe for success for us to be running the ball 35% Thirty-five percent of but, the game and, and but throwing
2: sixty-five percent. W- Whipple's been a coach for forty years. He's forgotten more football than than most people have ever learned. Right? I mean, <laughs> I you know every one of these coaches. But that has is what you just described. Makes total sense. Um, and it's frustrating that I mean that, that's pretty pretty basic stuff there, right? You know, I mean, like when you get too predictable. Uh, The defense is going to take advantage of that. So we're going to see if they make some changes um, uh, with this bye week. Rob? Well, it was just funny because it was driving me crazy because that whole Whites
1: and the Knuckles thing was like – I'm like, God, where have I heard – like I've heard it before, but I was trying to think it was like a pop culture reference. It was that movie Invincible with Mark, with Marky Mark or whatever when he's in that, right? And he's the guy oh, – yeah, and, and there's Man. literally a point where like the guy, the lineman pulls him over and he's like, yelling, he's like, see my knuckles? See my knuckles? When they're white, I'm doing this. When they're this, I'm doing this. And, the, and then, of course, the game comes and he gets past some blitzes and makes a sack or whatever, and I'm like – God, it is so obvious that they're even just sticking it out there for everybody to see in, in like a Disney movie, of all things. Right? Like, <laughs>
3: yeah, well, you, know, d- you know, Dave, I had mentioned to you that, you know, I sent that tweet out like two weeks ago and I almost felt bad doing it because I'm like, n- not because I felt like I was finding something. My goodness, these coaches that have all forgotten yeah, way have, more than I ever know. know. This. They, they know this. They, I'm not giving away any secrets here. But, but I almost felt bad tweeting it out because, look, I coached, but I did it. You know, a couple of decades ago, I was coaching. I'm 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 old school. I don't know what all these young whippersnappers are doing today. And so, who am I to say that a, you know a guy shouldn't go from two to three point stances? But I just kind of asked the question on Twitter a couple of weeks ago based off of three plays. I'm like, is this a tell? Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm a dinosaur. But uh, you know, is this a tell?
2: Rob I'm Zahaska. a
3: caveman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a caveman. You know, I'm just a podcaster, yeah. right? Um, Rob Zazka responded to it, and his response was, "Hell yeah, it's a tell." And, uh, you know, I've got a good, a good buddy of mine uh, from the fraternity days. He's been an offensive line coach for over two decades in high schools in California and on the East Coast. And I was texting with him about it. And, and his response, he goes, I hate the two-point stance. That's number one. But he goes, "But he goes, I don't tell a player that he can't do it. But what I do tell him is whatever you're going to do, you've got to stick with it on every play. Then You're not going to be down one, up one, down one, up one. If you're going to do two-point stance, you're going to do that for every single play. And uh, so that's a, That's an offensive line coach told me that Rob Zaska says it's a it's a tell. And then Adam Carricker started responding to him about how stupid offensive linemen were. And then that was a funny little <laughs> tweet back and forth. But uh, but you know, it's just it's one of those things where it, it's, it's hard enough. It's hard enough in football to you know get the X's and O's rights if the defense knows or thinks they know what you're doing. I mean, Dave, you guys are going to do the bet cast before we're done. And you'll talk about if you can win 60% or 55% of your bets. I mean, there's certain percentages where that's, that's good. If you feel like on 70% of the time, defensively, you feel like you can almost call the shot. Like I know what they're going to do and I can go that much harder. I'm going to take that much more of a risk because I think the reward's going to be there. I'm going to get to the quarterback because I think he's going to be dropped back and throwing. That's a problem. And if 31 times you're in a two-point stance and 28 of them you're throwing,
2: you know. Yeah, yeah. That's hey, Hockey, that's... Can you have some fun with this just to kind of wrap it up? Can you bring the video back up? Sure. Um, So we're, we're seeing these Purdue defensive ends come at uh, Lugtovsky and, and Corcoran, and they, they get to Casey, and I'm still trying to figure out how in the heck did these guys not tackle him? They literally Ran into each other. They Ran into there. each other, thankfully, yeah. I Mean the first guy, I mean, how does he not? It doesn't look like Casey even gets touched somehow. Momentum, so... Dave, it's momentum. That's... <laughs> I mean, they, 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 couldn't, believe, they
1: couldn't believe that they both had an opportunity. I think they went for the high five instead of the sack.
3: I, I know what that looked like, and, and you know, and, and watching this too. I mean, I don't need, I'm, I don't want to come down hard on Casey here either. The guy's been beat up. And, oh, yeah. and there's been times where guys have absolutely whiffed right there. The right tackle gets swam. I mean, so that's, there's poor technique in, in cases too. I'm not, I, I'm just holistically. It's my thing that I did a couple of weeks ago with the, with how do we just make things simpler sometimes? Sometimes simpler is having more balance might make them not be so aggressive off the line. You know, how you align, you know, how you do your alignments, how you it just, you know, simplifying blocking schemes. There's a lot of things you can do to just make things simpler. And right now, I would get things about as simple as you can, but, but it does at the end of the day, the discussion we had with, with our buddy Jack about, you know, well, if you're throwing the ball and that's how you're scoring, you need to throw it to score. I'll, I'll say the same thing with five and a half minutes left in the first half. We didn't need to score right then. What we needed to do was get into halftime down seven points. That was more important than anything. And being aggressive ended up getting us down two touchdowns going into half instead of one. So that's the complimentary football. That's playing smart. It's running clock when you need to run clock. And, uh, and running the football is not going to be a bad thing in this conference. I, especially, We haven't even gotten into bad weather yet.
2: Yep, it's true. I will it's say true. this.
1: I, I just want all Redcasters to know. Honky works on campus, so if you see him walking around, he is not a candidate for the head coaching job. I just <laughs> want everyone to know that. No. Right? Well, if
4: Travis hiring internally, he might be. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Nah, the...
2: maybe he's Matt Rule, for all we know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> we've never seen him in the same room together, it would make some sense. It's true. Just the same meme. (laughs) It's time to throw the bones. All right, let's throw the bones and talk all things Husker defense and uh, see if Bill Bush can get back on the right track. He had two great outings there, um, but then a little bit of a step back versus Purdue. Um, Honky, what are we kind of expecting uh, against – illinois who is definitely likes to run first with chase brown i think he might be leading the country in rushing right now
3: yeah brown he's he's just awesome to watch great runner and uh, i I don't know the name but i was just even reading today on twitter that i think they're one of their backup running backs might be back for this game who must have been out for a couple of weeks so you know they might even be getting a little bit of depth added there uh look you know this isn't this is Brett Bielema's offense, and you know this is the guy that likes to line up with uh, when he was with Wisconsin. I remember nine offense alignment on the field against us, yeah. you know? and uh, and Illinois has done that at times too uh, under him here against us uh, last year. And it it's going to be a bring your lunch pail physical game, and they're going to take as much time off that clock. You know, think about this for a second. If we want to be an explosive offense against them that scores in three plays in one minute if that's what we think we can be and and what we want to be, then Illinois is going to be like, okay, well, we'll just find a way to take 14 minutes off the clock every quarter. And we're going to limit possessions. And we're probably going to, you know, we're going to beat you up and we're going to, we're going to get three and a half yards of play. We're going to beat you up. We're going to get 101 plays. We're going to score a touchdown on every one of our possessions. We're going to wear on you. You might score a touchdown here or there, but then we're going to get ours on a couple of possessions. And once we get a, you know, a a little bit of a lead on you, you're not going to be able to come back. So we've got to be able to find a way to get off the field defensively, take our lunch pail and get off the field on a, on a couple of these series, and then offensively, I mean, we've got to find a way to play complementary football, I think.
2: Yeah, Boomer, are you concerned about uh, some potential injuries affecting uh, our performance here? We have likely uh, looks like uh, Heinrich is out for the rest of the year now, so um, yeah, a little thin there at that linebacker position.
4: Well, yeah, I think you have to be. I mean, if you just look at last week against Purdue, they're not a team known for being a stellar running team, and they were down to their what third string walk-on yep. freshman running back came in and looked like an all-star and or looked like a ball
2: conference running back against
4: us. He did get 100 yards
2: this week against Wisconsin. Yeah, America.
4: I mean, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but it's still it's not like he was, yeah. you know, point taken. Yeah, it wasn't expected to be that good and and he was and if we're going to go up against a team that is dedicated to run the ball, we know what Bieleman likes to do. If he thinks he can run it at you, and he will, and he'll keep doing it and doing it, that is a concern. And then like Honky said with the with the clock management, I think um, Illinois currently is number two in time of possession in the country. Uh, just, just a little behind Air Force, their average possession in the games, 58% of the time they have the ball. Wow. Last week it was 66.7, or excuse me, their last game. So they yeah. get the ball, they will keep it, and Dare you to stop them and try to get the ball back? And that's been one of their big recipes for success: just not letting you have it. You know, unless you're Iowa, you know, you can't really score without the ball. And yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge. So,
2: Rob, are you hoping for maybe I don't know some run blitzes or something? I mean, what 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 else would you do to to potentially try to to, stop the Illinois run attack? I don't know. Cause it, it,
1: it's funny that, that you asked that too, because it's um, you know, I, Illinois is one of those teams where it's like, they only convert 38% of their third downs. Right. So we're huh. like, okay, get them the third down, but they complete over 60% of their fourth downs. So, I mean, it's like, you know, you get them into, you know, fourth and short and they're probably going to go for it and convert it. Right. But I mean, you want to talk about balance and Honky's probably drooling over this. They have they basically are 216 yards passing and 200 yards rushing every single game. So it's like, where do you, where do you stop them? Right? Like, I mean, they're that they, and they, and their defense is going to keep, you know, their opponents under 200 and, Thirty yards. I think they their opponents average like two hundred twenty yards a game or yeah. something.
2: Yep. Yeah. Boom. So, really quick. Do we know they're, they're... I mean, I know if we're talking defense on our side, but they're like, what are they ranked overall defensively? It's pretty high, right? Uh, it's like they're
4: usually one or two in most categories. Yeah, Georgia, wow. yeah, they're yeah. they're very high. You yeah, know. I mean, I think they're, they're just behind Georgia in scoring defense. So that's yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, they're so it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, they're basically Nebraska is gonna come have to come out and just. I mean, they're going to have to play their tails off. I, I was trying to keep the language clean for you, Dave, but they're going to have to play their tails off in this game on defense and play their best game of the season, I think, um, because Illinois' offense is just very well balanced. Yeah, and I it's think it's going to be tough.
3: I, I think that we have talent at positions that maybe Illinois hasn't seen a lot of this year. So I think sure. we have guys that can take the top off them. I think Grant's a hell of a running back. Um, I'm not sure how the health right now of Irvin, but hopefully he's back. And we did get to see Ramirez even a little bit in the last game. So yeah. we've got some talent there, but at the end of the day, we we've got to do more and be more creative against this team. than if we're just going to line up in a pocket and try to throw the ball out of the pocket, they will get pressure all over this offensive line and, and we'll be in trouble. Now what what I'll say here, Dave is I, I talked about all those two point stance and three point stance things When those rare times that we did something different. If we lined up in a two point stance, if Corcoran did and we ran it, we had a lot of success on those plays. If we, <laughs> threw, the ball at, if we threw the ball out of the, the three-point stance when it looked like we were in a run set, and what that's telling me is that the, the visual things, the pre-snap things, if they look at us and they go, oh, it's going to be a run, and then we throw it out of that, that deception, we've had some success out of those plays. Those are the ones where you're doing a a, a delay draw out of a, what, what looks like a pass set. It's the one where you're in a run set and you do a little play-action rollout. We're going to have to be more creative, and I think I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I have I have no ability to say we're going to do this or not, but I we've got to be able to get um, you know Casey's legs well, more involved, well, and we'll find I, out. If he I did, definitely he want to
2: track this, and so if it does come out that we have a little bit more diversity on on how that plays out with the two point three point stance, that we can say the red cast gets results, obviously. Well, <laughs> yeah. And from a defensive
1: standpoint, though, honky too. I mean, what do, what about like like blitzing packages, or you know what? what can Bush do you think this bye week you know, Hey, Mickey's undefeated coming out of bye weeks right now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, he's, Good he's, point, I do Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so what, from a defensive standpoint though, and with Bush with an extra week, you know, in there to game plan for this and everything. I, I mean, do we see more blitz packages? Do we see, like, we even talked about like against Rutgers, right? There's, it was like the first time we'd seen some of these guys on the field at the same time together. Right. Like, are we going to see more of that? I mean, cause our corners have not had the best showings in the last few games.
3: How are
1: we going to balance that?
3: I mean, number one, you've got to earn the right to blitz. So if we don't get stops on first and second down and they're in third and shorts, then, uh, you know, a short of run blitzing. Now, there are yeah. run blitzes you can do, and we might get creative on first and second downs or some run blitzes, and that would be a good idea. Uh, if, you know, if he can pick and choose the right times to do that, we, we've got to be stout against the run. Because if we're not, you know, it, it it's a moot point what blitz we're going to run when it's third and one, and they put nine guys on the offensive line. And that is exactly what uh, Bieleman well, will do. He'll put four yeah. tight ends out there. He'll put, you know, three Come offensive tackles or, out or out whatever not, it is. Right? He will find a way to to get uh, unbalanced and do whatever it takes, and he will play Big Ten football and just just run over you. So we've got to be able to to hold our own, and we're also going to have to do that to get off the field. We can't we can't be getting in these one hundred and one play games with these guys. But Tommy DeVito, their quarterback, I mean he's he's impressive there. And and I was looking up his stats here, and they just came out. Uh, twenty five of thirty two efficient against uh, against Minnesota, two hundred fifty two yards, one touchdown. Completed the ball to six different receivers, and four of the receivers had between 53 and 62 yards. So, I mean, it was spread around um, guys that had three, three, seven, and nine catches. So, you know, they have a, an offense there that, uh, you know, they, they're going to run the ball. And, and specifically with Brown there, he ran 41 times. For 180 yards. So I always love it. You know, with our guys, when we have a good runner, you got to be careful. You can't give them 20 carries or, you know, you get into 22 carries and boy, you're going to have to give them a nice bath or whatever. We've heard that for years, right? And meanwhile, we'd go up against Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. They just, oh, the hell with it. Getting 38 carries, 39, you know, here's here's uh, Brown running it 41 times.
2: Hey, hockey, with uh, the, well, since you have the, the stat sheet out there, Illinois mm-hmm. is, um, uh, juice juice williams he's he's still I, yeah he, their he was their number yeah
3: isaiah williams is their number yep. one receiver from that uh from that game against minnesota he had
2: nine catches for 62 yards okay and then their tight end uh the guy that transferred in back in from from florida whatever would that be reeman maybe 89 no it was like i thought his name was ford maybe
3: are you talking about bryant is that who? I'm, hold on, am I looking? That would yeah. be it. There's no other tight end numbers because the just okay. the the position
2: yeah, right. numbers were one. Yeah, 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 there is a right. Ford.
1: There is a Ford on the team, but he didn't have any receptions in that nah, game. Okay. Yeah, he was a big four star guy. Key um, right, Bryant. Bryant was. Uh, I, I don't know his first name. Pat Bryant was the second mm-hmm. um, top receiver on that. In that game, he all had right. 58 yards. Ben Hightower was had 55, and then C Brown. I, I mm-hmm. guess uh, Chase Brown had. Uh, 53 yards so he, they spread the ball around a lot to at least to four different receivers were you know basically around the same amount of yards
3: mm-hmm. same they're amount of they are a complete team mm-hmm. they're a complete team they they i now rob said earlier i would drool drool over the balance i i hate the word balance i'm not a balanced guy run the run the damn ball and just keep running it right but but they do they have balance and they are a they're a they are a balanced team all all around their defense being good their offense being efficient there and, and they can run and they can throw. And then their special teams, like I said, I think their kickers made like this last seven or eight or nine field goals in a row was the the stat I heard, you know, during the, during the Iowa game. And that was a game they won nine to six, right? I mean, they, so there they won an ugly game kicking field goals. Um, so they're going to find ways to score points one way or the other, and they're going to find ways to try to keep us from scoring points. I do not see, I, I will be blown away if we come I'll be happy here let me be very clear. I'll be happy. But if we come back next week and we talk about, um, we, we talk about, uh, Palmer having 200 yards receiving again, and he's just running down the field uncovered with 20 yards between him and anybody. God bless us. Throw that every single time you can. Right. Um, although I think there's some fool's gold with that too. Um, that, you know, I, I can't believe what Purdue was doing in some cases there, but I think they are taking some, some other risk, I guess, but, uh, Holy smokes. I mean, I don't see him being open like that again against against Illinois. If yeah. he is. Yep. You know, wow. Well, but not, no one's gotten open like that against Illinois all year yet. So I'll say it that way.
2: Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, nice, nice little breakdown there. Of what we're looking forward to versus Illinois uh, hockey. Anything else before you want to get your parting shot in? Nope. All good.
3: <laughs> Fire away. Uh, this one's quick. Just want to say, uh, NU volleyball, number one in the country today. So that's, uh, they're back up to that spot. Congratulations. Wednesday night, big 10 network at 8 PM. They're at Wisconsin. They have lost eight straight times to Wisconsin. So this is a huge, uh, game for, for Husker volleyball. Can't wait to watch that one. Uh, number five, Wisconsin. So, uh, be watching that go girls, GBR, take it out, Betcast. Where the hell is that video? <laughs>
2: the Betcast Picks of the Week. The Betcast Picks of the Week. So good, we got to play it twice. <laughs> <laughs> played it twice. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we took a week off. So, um, I don't know if. And really, um, my bets
4: didn't suffer anymore for it. So, yeah, it's just as well. Yeah, that's right. I actually Go have right. a
2: new strategy. So, that's. Oh, I'm. I can't well, wait I'll to hear see. this, Rob. Yes. Please I mean, go ahead. So, so every week. Well, you'd be doing research now, finally. Listen, listen, man.
1: Every week, Honky's wife has some office pool with like 10 games on it where she yeah. sends it to me. Her, her, His wife, Kathy, she sends it to me and says, what do you think of this? And I'm like, half time, I'm like, well, I'm not sure about this one. And it's all point spreads. But I've been taking it and I've been just going straight money line with every single one of her picks and then putting together like a part, you know, different parlays and round robins and everything like that on it. And I'm she's winning like seven, eight of those matchups every single week and take it to the bank. Kathy Honky. Who, who would have known Kathy Honky on, is
2: actually yeah, the best she's, gambler? She's got on me, the she's cat. got me
1: over, she's she's actually got me what is it in the red now or in the black. In the black. <laughs>
4: Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, in yeah. The
1: red. i was in the red that's for sure for what's this the red season, cast but, so we view that more yeah, positively yes, we are right.
4: yeah, and yes. hell, if, if she's winning like that rob we should just screw the whole nepotism thing and bring her on so i you know what yeah, i i it's right. funny
1: i was gonna make a joke about that but but it's almost not a joke like she seems to know what she's doing i'd love to know how she decides um you know because i'm just taking her advice now
2: well it's uh well she probably has a, a paid site she goes on Obviously, you know? <laughs> I... <laughs> Um. So, uh we did not get our best bets in last week. Unless Boomer did you you text mine out by chance? Uh no, I did not. I so, uh yeah, tweeted tweeted it that I did um throw out before the game started uh on our our text uh thread. I, I mentioned my best bet of the week was the under in the Ole Miss LSU and it hit. Um so I'm I I'll personally say that
1: count. I don't remember that happening. I mean, Dave doesn't
2: care. It was out there, my friend. I am now six and three officially in my mind. Well, so I did see, uh, let's see here. Where was that? Uh, nice. Nice. Here we go. Jeremy Brandt, Vegas Jer. Says, hey, Dave, nice job on the picks this year. So thank you, Vegas Jer. Appreciate it. Um, I, I'm five and three officially on the um, the posted best bets but six and three so that's that's up three units i'll take that all the time um and uh, last week was was a tough one though there is you know difficult to pick um uh games last week i didn't have a lot of success overall um but i think i went went five and six in my my straight bets uh what's on your board this week guys oh there's all sorts of interesting games this
4: week uh, yeah yeah uh, Some of them, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, the Nebraska one obviously opened at, what was it, opened at minus five, and I've seen it at minus seven and a half to minus eight It now. was at
2: six and a half immediately after that, that boomers. So I don't know where that five got posted. Yeah, I saw it five and a half at one point, and it's, it's at yeah.
1: seven now on draft. Yeah,
4: it's minus eight show. in a few sites. So, yeah, that yeah. Yeah, the money's definitely Illinois' really way. And I learned my lesson. I'm not betting Nebraska anymore this year. So definitely uh, not not getting involved in that one. Oh yeah. gosh, there were a few other games I had in mind. Rob, what did Let you me, have penciled in? Go for ahead, you? Rob. I mean, there's. You know,
1: I mean, this is, and, and I told you, I, I took a took a week off, and 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 it's kind of screwing with me because now I'm just like, well, wow, that was probably one of the best weeks I've had in my life. Like as far as betting goes, I just,
2: <laughs> Kathy
1: it's, hasn't come out with her picks yet this week. So tell you what, know, Rob, let me out. let me throw um, out
2: some yeah, some throw ideas some out there for, for me,
1: Dave, because I have been mm-hmm. looking. I had some written down. I just can't find it. We've
2: got some TV a Thursday night game <laughs> in the Pack Twelve. Uh, Utah is minus seven and a half against Washington State. Uh, up in the Palouse, uh, so uh, that that could be a bit of a trap there for for Utah, especially with the hook. But uh, Utah should, you would think, be better than a touchdown against Washington State, but you never know. Uh, Saturday games, you've got uh, this is a tricky one to me, and I don't know where to, I'm going to go with it. But Oklahoma four and three on the year right now, going to Ames, Iowa State three and four, and. Oklahoma's favored by a point and a half.
4: Yeah, that was one I was surprised Crashly at. Practically a pick was on the board. Yeah. Um, what are they Ohio, saying out of that? I, I don't know. I'm kind I don't of, know. Is there an injury that I'm not I, thinking of? But, yeah, Iowa State's just kind of been – they're all one-score losses, and we know what those mean. But, uh, yeah, it's that's yeah. a tough one. Yeah, I'm surprised. I
2: think, you know, I think Campbell's had some success versus Oklahoma, right? So. Well, he has, but, yeah. Yeah. It's tough one. Ohio State, 15.5-point um, favorites right now against Penn State. This is at Nittany- at Happy Valley, uh, but it is not a night game. That's what they got last week. The whiteout was against Minnesota. It's a big noon kickoff, so they don't get the, the whiteout. Um, a line that kind of stinks to me and I'm a little worried about, uh, Wake Forest, minus four versus Louisville. Wake Forest is the 10th-ranked team in the country. They're only better than than Louisville by four points, it seems a lot. Um, Okie State and K-State, that's going to be a a really good matchup. Another near-pick'em. K-State's actually favored by a point and a half. They are at home. Yeah.
4: Or if you like a sickos committee-type game, you've got – Iowa and uh, Northwestern this week. Over under you can get at thirty seven. So it was North thirty-five and yeah. it's been going up because people are like that's just too
1: low. Uh, well, the other game too, Syracuse is, is a three point favorite at home versus Notre Dame, which I brought up earlier. Yeah, as far as yep. one of the most disappointing teams. A and, and a few yeah, that that might be a good one too to take Syracuse because like I said, Notre Dame's just been one of the most disappointing teams all year and, and they just haven't been you know at least sometimes they're interesting to watch they haven't even been interesting to watch
2: you know it's they're more disappointed to you because you threw out the great stat which was legitimate at the time that they always finished ranked higher than their preseason ranking x amount of years but that was under brian kelly yeah not marcus freeman so yeah I, um, and and that stat was
1: actually from a uh, the, uh a podcast that follows us we follow them the four horsemen podcast Um, you know, yeah. And they were the ones that put that out there and, and I, you know, and, you know, to their credit too, they haven't completely um, flamed out on Twitter, which I was kind of expecting them to have like some crazy meltdown and they've done pretty well on that. So, um, Um, all right. A few few others, Rob, um, uh, the Oregon, California is interesting. Oregon's playing at Cal. They're eight, number eight right now. Um, you know, they're six and one Cal hasn't been completely terrible. Oregon's a 17 point favorite on that one. Um, that might be a little bit closer, I think, maybe. um than people think i I don't know why. that's again, that's a Rob gut one, but Cal hasn't been mm. completely terrible this year. no um, true. and they've true. even their losses they've they, played close losses, but right.
2: Who so, did they lose to from everybody? Um it's Cal no they lost yeah. in particular they lost to somebody they shouldn't shouldn't have lost to. Oh yeah,
1: they they um oh god now you're killing me. They here. lost
2: to the University of Colorado. That's right. They did lose to Cal to Colorado. It's hard right. for me to pull the trigger on yeah, the Golden but, Bears. You know,
1: Colorado was at home and coming off a tough I don't know. Well look, Cal's four and three against the spread this year too. So I mean yeah.
2: um other other games of note, really quick here. Uh Kentucky uh, goes to Knoxville to take on Tennessee, at, this is thirteen right now. I think that's too much. I, I, I think Tennessee is probably going to win this game, but I could see Kentucky mucking this up and, and hanging around. I don't have a lot of truck and Will Trust in Will Levis, but um, I don't know. I just, I just think that's a lot. Two touchdowns. I don't know.
4: Yeah, another one I was looking at that just seems like a big spread. Uh, granted, this is going to depend on an injury update. Uh, Minnesota is minus fourteen and a half against Rutgers. You know, yeah, Rutgers isn't great, but they keep being scrappy and close. And Minnesota has just been sluggish these last few weeks. A lot of it depends if Tanner, Tanner Morgan back. playing, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's one you got to kind of wait and see. I wouldn't, you know, jump on that just yet. But if you can get a little later in the week and get some idea. I mean, I think he warmed up this week against Penn State, but didn't. I don't think he played at all. Did he? I don't, no, recall him I don't think so. Yeah, when you're, yeah, when Minnesota's down, Morgan and you know they'd already lost uh, Otman Bell for the season. They're just. A very different team when watching them play, so that might be one yeah. that you might think about Rutgers. As weird as that is to say, but is yeah. is
1: Adrian hurt?
4: He was. Yeah, you went out yeah. in that game. No
1: one's he, got a, a good Is he going to be out because Kansas State's a one and a half point favorite over Oklahoma State this week? and huh. it's and, and I don't know and if I mentioned Kansas. that about five minutes ago, Rob. Oh, you did. Okay, sorry. I, that's why I asked. Did you bring that up because I missed it because I was looking at something else, probably. But that, yeah, that's another one. We talk about I think
2: Syracuse, I'm Notre Dame. With you on that one. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> that <you do>. Nice <laughs> one, Boomer.
1: Sorry, I, I was looking at something else, and because you.
2: Caught that's me all right, my friend. I'm just giving you a hard time. The only other one I'll throw out that's intriguing is Big Ten uh, game right now. Is, uh, a Sparty is a 21 and a half point dog to Michigan. It is in Ann Arbor. You know, Michigan State usually plays Michigan tough, and you got the hook there. I I could be intrigued on that one. We'll see where that number moves over the next several days. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else? UCLA,
1: UCLA, man. They play Stanford. I I might just take them at any spread at this point. Yeah, so –
2: out of score, all right, guys. Let's uh let's get out of here with some parting shots, and I will throw it to Boomer. Uh, well,
4: uh, really just have kind of one parting shot this week, uh, in honor of the uh, Nebraska basketball getting a start. Granted, it was in Shatterin State, and they're now selling beer at Pinnacle Bank Arena, so I'm having one in honor, and uh, it sold, and I've heard it was a moderate success. I don't think anyone broke down $9 beer rumor. Yeah, they're $9, but yeah, there was no drunken frenzy that I know of. No riots. I think, I think Nebraska fans comported themselves well and uh, showed it can be done. So maybe we'll be seeing that at a few more events, you know, maybe some other stadiums could, could make that happen too. So good job Husker fans. Let's keep that going and drink responsibly. Awesome.
1: All right, Rob. Well, I would just like to say to all of Husker nation going into this game, Against Illinois this weekend. At least one thing we're not going to have to worry about is Mickey Joseph grabbing the headset because Illinois comes out in an odd front.
2: <laughs> All right. All right. It's true. I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. All right, guys. Uh, good show. Enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, we can be talking about a victory next week. I believe we're going to probably delay. Uh, the red cast for Tuesday to avoid Halloween. Um, so we'll be one day later, at least with the RedCast. but well, we I don't want you to then, miss
1: trick or treating Dave.
2: That's right. That's right. Hey, it's it's a little earlier here and you know, a lot of other, the red cast listeners are going to be out anyway. So I'll uh, have, have your fun. And uh, for now, let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red.
3: Koda Media Production.